0: Great. Well, let's have a look at that chapter together. It'd be worth keeping it open uh, in front of you if you do have a, a Bible there uh, as we carry on uh, through this uh, book, this great chapter in this great little book. And, and as we start, I suppose before we really dig into this chapter, uh, I wanted to ask a question. Uh, I don't know if it's something that you will have thought about before or not. It's something uh, that kind of made me stop and, and take stock a little bit, I suppose, as I was preparing for this morning, and I hope it will uh, shape how we look at this passage this morning. And, and the question is this, that, that why in the Bible are these kind of narrative stories, these true stories like Ruth, uh, recorded for us? Uh, the Bible, you, you, you might know, is a pretty big book made up of lots of smaller books uh, and different types of books. There are letters, uh, there's poetry, there's kind of law or legal books, and, and various uh, other categories. And, and if we believe, uh, as we as a church do, that, that the Bible is God's word to us, uh, that the Bible isn't just written about him, uh, but is written by him uh, as he inspired the different authors. So, so if this is God's word to us, Uh, Why does he choose to write it in these different forms? Why do we get stories like Ruth? If I'm honest um, about myself, uh, I'm probably quite a kind of a step-by-step thinker. I'm much more sciencey than arty. I'm left brain, not right brain. That means um, I can't write a poem, but I can solve an equation, which is not massively helpful on Valentine's Day or special occasions, things like that. Um, But because of that, uh, I'm perhaps naturally drawn to parts of the Bible which have this kind of logic, we might think, in the New Testament of the, the letters of the Apostle Paul. You know, God has done A, therefore B, therefore C. That kind of resonates perhaps with how I'm wired. Perhaps you're the same, uh, or or perhaps you're the opposite. Uh, And and so, is that the reason for for different styles of writing in the Bible? Is it kind of different strokes for different folks? Uh, Well, I think actually there must be more to it than that, because actually the whole of the Bible is for all of us. Some bits might feel more natural, uh, some bits might feel more like a, a struggle. Uh, but actually, we, we'll limit ourselves, we'll struggle to grow in our faith if we just kind of ignore those parts we're not as sure about. This book of Ruth's uh, is a book that we all need, uh, because actually, God, in his perfect wisdom, he communicates in these different ways, these different styles, uh, because different types of writing are, are better at communicating different things. So why do we have these narrative stories like Ruth uh, in the Bible, a story which in so many ways seems kind of almost quite low-key? Uh, well, it's because stories like this help us not just know what is true, uh, but are also here to help us feel that truth as well. You, you'll have experienced that when you read a, a novel or, or watch a film, that actually stories can affect us uh, emotionally uh, in a way that you know, a, a textbook never could. And I wanted to mention that just as we start, because if if you're like me, uh, there is almost this kind of temptation just to kind of pull the facts about God from a a chapter like this uh, and almost put the story to one side as if it's just kind of the packaging or the wrapping that we can get rid of. Uh, But actually, what I hope that we can do uh, this morning is keep these truths about God uh, in this this beautiful story that he's given them to us in. Uh, And in that way, not just learn stuff. Uh, but really feel it, really want it, really uh, experience it for ourselves uh, as well. So that's our, that's our plan, that's our, our goal uh, this morning. To do that, I've kind of got a bit of a summary of this chapter, uh, which is true for Ruth and Naomi. And as we work through their story, I hope we'll grasp how amazing it is uh, that this can be true in our story, uh, in our lives uh, as well. And that summary is this, that God provides hope and restoration uh, through the kindness of a Redeemer uh, which leads to grateful praise. And God provides hope and restoration through the kindness of a Redeemer, which leads to grateful praise. Let's think about that uh, together. First, uh, that God provides hope and restoration. Did you, did you notice uh, what, what a warm, uh, what a positive, what an encouraging tone this chapter has as we just heard it read to us? Uh, Angus began this book of Ruth last week, our our first kind of series of the new year with chapter one. Uh, And there's no doubt that was a pretty downbeat chapter. It had funerals, it had sorrow, it had emptiness, it had bitterness. Uh, And actually, as Angus mentioned, I think that was a great way of starting the new year because it's real, isn't it? Uh, We face real difficulties. We have challenges that the calendar kind of flicking over has not magically wiped away. Uh, Chapter one resonates with the world we experience. But chapter 2 here gives us a great contrast as it is this incredibly warm picture of hope. It's this picture of restoration. It's positive. It's encouraging. It resonates then with the world that we want. It resonates with the life that we desire. Look at the kind of the language and the themes through these verses. Ruth goes out hoping to find favor, she says, in verse 2, and she does. Uh, I have found favor, she can say, in verse 13. Throughout this chapter, there are repeated acts of kindness. Uh, Ruth provided with with water to drink, verse 9. Ruth uh, given her lunch, verse 14, more uh, than she can eat. Uh, Even this whole concept of gleaning, which this whole chapter is based around. uh, Gleaning uh, was a beautiful part uh, of God's law for his people. It meant basically where those harvesting the crops... Uh, They were to leave, not harvest what was around the edge of the field. Uh, They were to leave anything that they dropped, anything that had got left behind. And that was to stay there so that the poor and the foreigner, it says in God's law, could collect these for themselves, could have something to live off. Well, here is Ruth, this poor foreigner uh, who has come into the land uh, and through the outworking of this beautiful law, uh, is able to provide in some way for herself herself, and for Naomi, her mother-in-law as well. It's a great scene where those uh, with nothing uh, are provided for. Uh, We see as well uh, in that kind of positive aspect, just the security uh, that is running through these verses. Perhaps something we take for granted, perhaps something we might miss uh, on a first reading through, but Ruth has found a place where she can be safe. Uh, Remember back to chapter 1, verse 1, if you were here last week, it says, These are the days of the judges, Again, that is a time, as Angus mentioned last week, where things were not good, where people were not living according to God's law, where a poor, foreign woman out by herself might not have been safe. And Naomi, in fact, is explicit about that in verse 22. In another field, you might be assaulted. We just get a kind of a hint of, a reminder of the kind of the danger that is in the background. Uh, but here for Ruth in chapter two, she has found this place of safety and security, a place where she is cared for. And so, with all that in mind, just imagine uh, how Ruth feels. Uh, she has left her home, uh, she arrives in Bethlehem. She doesn't know anyone except uh, Naomi, who has, feels she has been d- bitterly treated, uh, Naomi, who has told everyone at the end of chapter one that she has nothing. Uh, even though poor old Ruth is just standing there right next to her, has, has come home with her, has pledged her, her loyalty to her. Uh, Ruth is in this new place. Uh, she is a foreigner. She is poor. Uh, she is alone. Uh, she has very little prospects, humanly speaking. Uh, in sticking with Naomi, she's chosen God's people. Uh, she's chosen God's land. She's chosen to put her trust in God's promises But actually, has she made a a huge mistake? How is that going to work out for her? Think how she must be feeling and then just think of the relief. Uh, Think of the warmth she must feel at the end of this day recorded for us in chapter 2. A day she found favor. A day she has been shown kindness. A day she has been provided for and protected. A day that offers hope and provision going forward as well. Uh, You can just feel, can't you, how how incredible that must have been. You can imagine how she feels heading home to Naomi at the end of this chapter, that that everything has changed. Uh, You you can sense that, her joy, their their excitement. And and that is why uh, we have these narrative stories in the Bible, so that we can feel that, uh, so that we can be brought into these stories ultimately, uh, so that we can think, I also want to feel like that. I also want this kind of hope and restoration that God provides. Uh, That we wouldn't just know about things in the Bible, but that we truly want it. Because that is what the gospel offers to us as well. Uh, That is what trust in God and his promises brings. That the message of Christianity is that although uh, our lives may be tough, Uh, although we might feel as if we're kind of slogging along in in chapter one of Ruth with pain and hardship, with emptiness and bitterness, uh, that actually the truth is that God provides hope and restoration. God provides hope and restoration. Although for us that's different, it's not necessarily such a a physical or or a material restoration as we see here in Ruth, but actually it's better than that because the gospel provides us with, with eternal hope. Uh, The gospel provides us with a restoration into uh, a relationship with the God who who made all things, the God who made us. Uh, That The warmth, the joy, that the comfort we're supposed to feel here in Ruth's story uh, is something that God is able to provide for us now and forever. And I hope as we just begin in this chapter, uh, this chapter makes us want that, makes us want that more than anything else because it really is the, the greatest thing that we could ever have. And I suppose then that, that then leads us to, to the question, well, where does this come from? You know, how, how does this happen, this hope, this restoration? How can we kind of get hold of that? We do want this story uh, to, to engage uh, our emotions, but it's not all just about warm, fuzzy feelings, is it? Uh, it's also about the truth of what God has done, his, his actions, what God is like. Uh, so how does God provide this hope, this restoration. And the answer really to that question is the very heart of this chapter uh, that God provided hope and restoration through the kindness of a Redeemer. That's the second part of our, our summary uh, of, of this, this chapter this morning the kindness of a Redeemer. Let's have a think about that and and see, again, what these verses show us and and help us understand about that. And as I say, really, uh, this is the heart. This is the key uh, of what this chapter is all about. If we were just to pick out kind of one point, uh, this Redeemer. Uh, The chapter begins, verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. This new character is suddenly kind of introduced into the story uh, we're told that he's worthy. Uh, we're given his name. That's a kind of a sign of, of significance of these characters, that he's a named character. He would be up kind of near the top of the credits at the end of the film. Uh, at the start of this chapter, we don't know uh, what this guy is going to do, uh, but we can't help think that there must be some significance to him and to his role. And then we see that work out as God connects this man, Boaz, uh, into Ruth's story. Verse 3, Ruth happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Verse 4, and behold, uh, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Well, what are the chances, we think? And the writer here is very deliberately giving us a kind of a a nod uh, and a wink that actually the very place who happens to be, is is Boaz is part of the field. And at that very moment, here he is coming out uh, from the town to visit his people. But the point really here is clear, uh, that that this is God who's got his hands on this. Uh, This is not just a a random sequence of events, or isn't that lucky? You know, who'd have thought it? Uh, This is actually God who is providing. This is God who is at work. This is God bringing Boaz onto the scene. Uh, And really we see from there, Uh, Through the rest of the chapter, all the good that happens to Ruth, uh, all that we've just been thinking about, it comes through Boaz. Uh, It comes through this Redeemer. It's Boaz who offers this protection, inviting Ruth to stay in his field, ensuring, verse 8, that no one will touch her, uh, that she won't be hassled, that she will have that, that safety that, as we said, cannot be taken for granted. It's Boaz who offers her such great kindness, inviting her to eat and drink with his workers, bringing this outsider, this foreigner in. It is Boaz who offers this abundant generosity. We mentioned about gleaning this provision where rather than kind of hoovering up everything that was left for maximum productivity, that actually there was some left over for the least fortunate. You can imagine for some people that rule might kind of grate a little bit. You know, these are my crops. How close to the edge uh, can we go? You know, let's just pick up a few of these bits that's left behind. We want to take, get as much of this stuff to the market as possible. And yet actually, this, this law doesn't grate on Boaz. He, he goes beyond that. Verse 15, let her glean, he tells his workers. But there's more. Verse 16, also pull out some sheaves from the bundle and leave it for her. They're to deliberately leave extra for Ruth? To collect, Boaz is essentially saying, "You take, leave some of my crop in the ground, on the floor, so that other people can take it, so that Ruth can have it." And again, this isn't just a one-off. Verse twenty-three: Ruth is gleaning in Boaz's field throughout the harvest. Uh, He keeps up this kindness uh, and this provision. Uh, Boaz, in in terms of his behaviour. Uh, His manner, the way that he is presented to us in this chapter, I think is just one of the most uh, attractive characters in the Bible. And the first words we hear him speak, he has God's name on his lips. The Lord be with you, he he greets the workers. He is a man uh, who fulfills the law of God, not just the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law. Uh, He is a man who is characterized by, by generosity and kindness, Uh, and that kindness, uh, which is such a a big theme of this book of Luke. And then really the the kind of twist for Ruth at the end of the chapter, this big reveal uh, that she was unaware of, is what Naomi then says in verse 20. Uh, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Uh, the word redeemer in this context is someone who has uh, a responsibility for, for someone else, for family, for relatives, a, a responsibility to protect them, uh, a responsibility to help out those who have fallen into hard times. Again, another part of God's law that, f- that was there to help prevent people getting kind of left behind, as it were, but provided a means where they could be brought up and brought back if they'd found Themselves in unfortunate situations, and we see here that Boaz is that redeemer, Uh, and through him, through his kindness, God provides hope and restoration for Ruth and Naomi. We'll we'll see that how that happens long term in the next couple of chapters. Um, But again, uh, here in this story, in this chapter, we're simply to grasp, to to kind of feel uh, what a great guy he is. Uh, Also, to think, you know, wouldn't I love? A redeemer like that? Wouldn't I love someone who would deal with me in the way that Boaz is dealing with Ruth? We're supposed to see that if we want this hope and restoration, well, well then we need this redeemer. And again, the point for us is that we can have, that we do have a redeemer like that. What is true for Ruth, what is true for Naomi, is true for us that God provides hope and restoration through the kindness of a redeemer. Into the, the New Testament, that, that part of the Bible written after Jesus has, was born, we, we read in the book of Galatians, one of Paul's letters, that but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus is that Redeemer. Uh, Again, it it, it is God in his providence, uh, God in his love who has sent that Redeemer. Just like Ruth, uh, we weren't kind of out searching for a Redeemer, trying to hunt Jesus down high and low. No, God graciously brought Jesus into the picture, into our story, into our world. Uh, The work of of a Redeemer, it is God's work. Uh, It is God who sent Jesus. It's God who provides this blessing through Jesus. Uh, and it is through Jesus, it's, it's through this true Redeemer, Jesus, uh, who the famous preacher Charles Spurgeon once called our wonderful Boaz, uh, that we receive the ultimate in hope and restoration, which is ultimately the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, and our adoption, our adoption, as we read in those verses there, is, as sons and daughters into his family, that is the greatest blessing that there is. Uh, that is the ultimate hope that we're searching for. Uh, perhaps you're here this morning and you're, you're kind of interested in Christianity, uh, interested in church, and yet haven't made that step for yourself yet. Uh, perhaps are not even quite sure You know what, what is that step. What does it really mean to be a, a Christian? If you've been here a while, you'll have perhaps heard of that spoken about as, as good news. You'll have heard of the gospel. Literally, that's what it means, good news. But, but what is that good news? Uh, What does it really mean? What does it really look like? Uh, Well, we could summarize it by saying the good news is that Jesus offers redemption, uh, that God does offer hope and restoration through the kindness of a redeemer. Uh, And we see in the kindness of Jesus the ultimate kindness. It's that sacrificial, proactive kindness that we saw in Boaz, but kind of cranked up to 11 uh, as Jesus lays down his life in order to, to redeem us, that we might be forgiven. Uh, as much as we might want someone like Boaz to, to show us favor, unmerited favor, as, he showed, uh, as Boaz showed to Ruth, but, well, Jesus has shown us the ultimate in unmerited favor. Uh, he's not a redeemer that we deserve or have earned, uh, and yet one who acts out of his grace, acts out of his kindness to us, that Jesus in the gospel suffers in our place to redeem us. Uh, That unmatched kindness that none of us deserve, uh, but that all of us need. Uh, And again, as as so wonderfully pictured by Boaz, it's it's through Jesus that offers that perfect protection as well, that that safety uh, that means we are eternally secure, as God promises, uh, that no one will ever take us from his hand. Uh, That through Jesus, our Redeemer, if we trust in him, we are secure with him. Uh, And again, that nothing that can happen in this world, nothing that can happen this year, nothing that can happen uh, in our lifetime uh, can ever change that. Uh, That if we trust in Jesus, we are are safe with God. Uh, And perhaps that all just sounds a little bit too good to be true. Yes, maybe God has done something for kind of good churchy people. Maybe God would help out people who who help themselves or who are his sort of people who have done something good. Uh, but maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're thinking, but, but what about me? You know, I've done things I should not do. Uh, I've not been a, a church person. I've made a lot of mistakes. There's a lot of things about me that, that no one sitting in this room knows. Uh, surely God wouldn't have any time for someone like me. Uh, and yet isn't that what this book of Ruth uh, is all about? Uh, remember Moab. Uh, remember, sorry, Ruth is a foreigner, but not just any foreigner. She is a Moabite woman. Uh, we see that repeated time and time again throughout the story. Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite. And we can kind of gloss over that, glaze over that. But, but Moab was the ultimate enemies of God's people. Uh, Moab was kind of the, the lowest of the low. Uh, I've heard it being described as the kind of, uh, the equivalent to us would be, uh, you know, Ruth who'd come from ISIS or whatever it might be, a kind of shocking thing. And yet, here she comes to God's land, and she has thrown her lot in with God's people. She has come, verse 12, as Boaz recognizes, to take refuge under the wings of the God of Israel. Uh, And she is comforted and dealt with kindly by this Redeemer. Again, this story of Ruth uh, reminds us that no one who comes to God, uh, who puts their trust in His promises, uh, will ever be turned away by this Redeemer. Uh, The words of Jesus himself in John's gospel, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Um, And again, we see that pictured so beautifully in this book of Ruth, that encouragement, whoever you are, uh, whatever you've done, uh, whatever you think you know or or don't know about God, to simply come to Jesus and he will not turn you away. Uh, To simply accept that you need his favor Uh, Except that you come empty, that you come as Ruth did. Verse 10, she fell on her face, bowing to the ground. That that kind of posture of ultimate humility. Uh, But that if you come to him, he will never cast you out, never turn you away. And that God provides hope and restoration through the kindness of a Redeemer. Again, we see in Ruth the beauty of that Redeemer uh, pointing us to Jesus and all that he's done for us. And uh, for many of us this morning, you'll, you'll know that Redeemer. You've trusted in Jesus. Uh, you've experienced and are, and are striving to live out that, that hope, uh, live in that, that hope and restoration that God has provided through him. Uh, you've accepted his kindness in the gospel, that that is for you, that that is something that you need. Uh, so then the question becomes, well, what next? And what do we take from this chapter? Well, the goal, I think, as we see that pictured so brilliantly in these verses is that knowing that comfort, knowing that hope, knowing that restoration, uh, that we should respond in grateful praise. That's what we had in, in a, as our summary, isn't it? God provides hope and restoration for his people. Uh, through the kindness of a redeemer, which leads to grateful praise. That's what we see at the close of these verses. As Ruth returns, uh, as Naomi sees the incredible amount of food uh, that Ruth uh, has brought home, as she hears this is from Boaz, as that name rings in her ears, and she recognizes that this man is their redeemer uh, and has started that work of redemption, of blessing them already. Well, then in response, uh, Naomi is, is revitalized. Uh, it is rejuvenated. So far uh, in this book, Naomi has, you know, fairly understandably, I think, cut a pretty dejected figure. I remember the end of chapter one, she says she is empty and she feels like God has dealt bitterly with her. Uh, throughout chapter two, it's been Ruth who has been the, the active member of the household, going out into the fields to work, to see what she can do. Uh, but now Naomi in response to the kindness of this Redeemer, is moved to praise. In verse 20, we get this great kind of burst of praise from Naomi. May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi shows her gratitude to the Redeemer himself. May he be blessed by the Lord uh, and her praise to that Lord, uh, the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead, no longer it is Naomi saying that the Lord has dealt bitterly with her as she was at the end of chapter one. Uh, instead, she celebrates the truth that actually God is faithful. God has remembered and is continuing to remember. Is continuing to show kindness to her. He's continuing to work out his promises to his people. That this is God's kindness coming through this redeemer. Uh, and her response is to praise him. It's worth noting here uh, at this point, uh, halfway through the book, all of Ruth and Naomi's problems have not uh, magically disappeared. Uh, there's still a few twists and turns in this story to go. There's that kind of telling, ominous final sentence of chapter 2. You can see it there, speaking about Ruth, uh, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Good grief. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, that is supposed to be... Um, we kind of think, oh, heck. But, you know, but that is supposed to be a reminder... Uh, actually, this is not a, a stable situation. Uh, you know, two widows living together in this time offers very little security, very little long-term prospects. Uh, you know, there's still a way to go in this book to get to, to, full, to, to real fullness. Uh, but because of this hope, because of these seeds of restoration which God has provided through this Redeemer, even now, uh, there is grateful praise. Uh, and of course, as we finish Uh, thinking about this passage for ourselves. uh, Our our prayer is that that is the response that we would be moved towards uh, because that is what God has done for us in Jesus. We have this Redeemer. Then in response to that, that we would live lives of thankful praise. Again, it doesn't mean all our problems have magically disappeared. It doesn't mean that life is all simple. It doesn't mean that we're at the end of the journey yet. Uh, But if our trust is in Jesus, this Redeemer, it does mean that we can have certain hope. It does mean that this restoration has has begun, uh, that we have been brought back into his family, uh, and we can look forward to the fulfillment of that restoration when Jesus himself, the Redeemer, returns to make everything right. Uh, If we're Christians this morning, uh, are we people uh, who, who are characterized by thankfulness to God uh, day by day, do we remember his goodness to us uh, or do we find it so much easier to focus on the things that aren't quite as we like them? Are we, are we people who, who are characterized by praise, uh, who find it natural to pray those prayers of adoration that we spoke about earlier, recounting what, what God has, is like, how, how great he is, uh, proclaiming his faithfulness and kindness to one another uh, and the world around us? Uh, Is that the kind of people we are? I'm I'm sure for all of us, uh, we are not as much like that as as we would love to be. Uh, We don't quite reach up to the the response that we think is actually kind of appropriate to all that God has done. We don't do quite as much as we'd like. Uh, Our our struggles and our stresses wrestle away our attention and our energy. And I I close this morning by speaking about that, not in any way to put a, a guilt trip on us and say, come on, You've got to do more. We've got to praise more. We've got to adore more. No, but but to point to this book of Ruth uh, and say this is how uh, we do that more. God gives us his word. God gives us beautiful, true accounts like this book of Ruth to remind us, uh, to help us feel, to help us experience again uh, that wonderful truth of the gospel, that God provides hope and restoration uh, through the kindness of a Redeemer. We've seen that. Uh, we're offered that in Jesus. Uh, And if we've accepted that, that wonderful, wonderful news, that that offer which is there for everyone, uh, then as we look at Jesus, as we see the wonder that we have a redeemer like that for us, as we think of his incredible kindness, uh, our our natural response uh, is to respond in grateful praise with the whole of our lives. Let's pray together.